Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome in episode 99, the Hunjin Ryu episode of the podcast. BJ and Radio, you're I'm checking Coombsy. That is right, Coombsy. Episode 99. Can't believe we're almost at 100. And because we're not going to do like, oh, who in sports history wore number 100 or 101? Because, of course, no one yet has worn three digit numbers. But mm-hmm. I can restart again at one and I can quiz you on players with those names, with those numbers. Now. What do you think? I'm going to have study a good, up. a good use of the time. Uh, study up I'll, I'll get going on it uh just start memorizing guys yeah um episode 99 is brought to you by ready for this coomzy yeah montana's all you can eat rib fest is coming actually it's here from july 19th until september 12th hashtag get montana's messy coomzy they have events across the country and since this is an across the country kind of podcast let me tell you about where montana's is going to be stopping with their truck Sunday, or sorry, Friday, August 5th, they are coming to Calgary, Sandy Beach Park. Saturday, August 6th, they are in Red Deer, Rotary Picnic Park. They also have stops in Vancouver, stops in Edmonton, Saskatoon as well. Uh, they are coming, Coomzy. Montana's Rib Fest is here, and we are excited to be partnering with them. So what we're telling people is go to Montana's in person and eat the food. Don't order it and have it delivered to your house. We've pivoted completely, right? No, we are actually still brought to you by DoorDash as people so here. Oh, in okay. So, um, so you can combine our two sponsors, actually. That's that's the beauty of it all. Not only can you order some delicious ribs from Montana's, but you can use DoorDash on the promo code BJNPODDD, and you can just combine those two suckers. Although, if you go into Montana's, that's how you can get access to the all-you-can-eat ribs. So how's about you go to Montana's and eat all-you-can-eat ribs and then go home and order again from Montana's and eat it the following day? Because you enjoyed it so much. How about that? I how, about that for, how about that for advertising, Tyler? I see absolutely nothing wrong with that plan. Nothing wrong with that plan at all. Uh, all right. Jay's making light work of the Detroit Tigers, taking three of four games. They are eight and two now in their last 10. And actually, before we get into three up, three down, Coomzy, I would like to point out Jay's eight and two in their last 10. And those two losses are the only two games in which you have been in attendance for. Yeah, it's true. We can we we can accurately pinpoint who's at fault for those two mm-hmm. losses in the past 10 games. And it's me. It was the second game of the St. Louis series with Gosman starting. That was a difficult one. They got torched by two 40 year old dudes. That was weird. And then it was Alec Manoa against the Tigers, which you did not expect to be an L. I think if you were going to bet on one of the games in that series to wind up as a W, it would have been that. But I'm on a pretty significant in-person losing streak now. I'm pretty sure that 
since that opening day comeback game, I've gone to almost exclusively losses. So I think I'm just going to stop showing up this season. So it's a good time for you to move across the country is what you're saying. Ah, perhaps. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's dig into this series here against the Tigers. The Jays really did take care of business. So let's start with the three up and we will rewind this thing and go back to game one where perhaps you mentioned the Manoa start is one that I was like, all right, this feels like a guaranteed win kind of day. It wasn't the Yusei Kikuchi start on the other hand, that felt like one that was maybe, you know, you could understand that they were going to lose one. That was probably the one you had circled considering what we'd seen from Kikuchi, the fact he hadn't pitched in a while. And then the guy goes out there and pitches five innings only allows one earned run strikes out five as well. Like they only had three base runners, I believe, in his five innings. He was really solid in that game. Yeah, there was a lot of skepticism because Kikuchi went down to Buffalo and his rehab started. It looked fine at a glance, but then you looked a bit more and you're like, well, you still walked a handful of guys. And it was like, well, did you actually pitch all that well? But he comes up and to his credit pitch significantly better. And when you look at it, all of his good starts this year have been starts in which he uses the fastball a lot more. That's when he's in the zone. That's when he's in control. And that's what we need to see from him the rest of the way. I mean, the expectations for Kikuchi aren't super high. It's not like you have to come in and, you know, talk seven innings and strike yeah. out 12 guys. You don't have to be an ace. All you have to do is clear five innings in all your starts and give the team a chance to win. It just can't be like what it was earlier in the season when he's pitching like two innings. Yeah. But if we see anything near what, you know, Kikuchi did in that start the rest of the way, that's fantastic. That makes life a lot easier for the Jays at the deadline, because if he's pitching like that, then it's not exactly paramount that you have to go and get a starting pitcher. Yeah. And I, I think there is some risk in maybe overreacting too much For on sure. the positive side to one good Kikuchi start. Um, like, I don't think they saw you said Kikuchi do what he did and then went, Hey, called up Cincinnati and we're like, Hey, we're out on Castile, by the way, we're not interested anymore. <laughs> like that would be rather foolish. And I don't, I would imagine that's not how they're operating here. Uh, we're going to chat more deadline with Michael Bradburn in a second, but, but you, go ahead. You Kikuchi. think, you think if like if, if Kikuchi and that start came out and just completely laid an egg, then it was like, all right, we have to go out and get a starter. Like, I think that he at least made it so they're not desperate to do so. Right. Yeah. And, and it, maybe it even gives them the ability to, give off the illusion that they're not desperate when negotiating some of these trades, right? Like teams won't think they have Toronto and Ross Atkins backed into any sort of a corner. Uh, Castillo obviously going to Seattle um, in a pretty sizable deal. It's one that sets the market, yeah. I think, right? Like I know we're getting a little sidetracked from three up, three down, but I think you can look at that and kind of go like, okay, that's the framework. If you're the Jays in terms of the prospect capital, you have to give up. If you want to get Frankie Montas or someone from Miami, like Pablo Lopez, right? Yeah. And that's why you, I mean, that's why ideally if Kikuchi does and does pitch well and you have all of your internal options working, it makes your life so much easier because it's so much less expensive to go and acquire relief pitching that if the Jays had to go and get a four or five starter or something like that, it's not going to cost the same that the Castillo deal did because he's not that kind of starter. But it just means you have less bullets in your gun to go and get, you know, a lefty bat or a reliever or something like that, which I think is also an important thing to focus on. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's get to our second up here, and it's on the offensive side of things where the standout performer for the Toronto Blue Jays was Matt Chapman, who finishes this four-game series with four home runs. He is... I mean, I even heard uh, Tigers catcher Tucker Barnhart talking about it after one of the games, and he was just like, you can't even like come up with a game plan to pitch around this guy right now because he's just hitting everything, and that's really how it feels for Matt Chapman. It was a slow start to the season for Chapman. I think it had a lot of people kind of raising their eyebrows. I mean, like, really? Like, this is the guy we were all excited to see, you know, come into the Jays lineup. This was the big offseason acquisition for uh, for the order. 
And, you know, defensively, he was great. He has been great. He's never been poor defensively. Mark Shapiro even talked on a broadcast. I think it was against St. Louis about how every game Shapiro watches and sees one or two things Chapman does that he goes, wow, that is a very difficult play. But now that the bat's coming around for Chapman, we're really starting to see a player that, you know, they're the player that Jay Sands were excited about this winter. Yeah, there was some pretty authentic skepticism as to what to expect from Matt Chapman, because even last year in Oakland, he produced the 716 OPS, which was the worst OPS of his career. And I mean, the comparison that we all made was when they got Josh Donaldson ahead of the 2015 season, it was he was coming off of kind of a mediocre year, but it wasn't quite that bad. So with Chapman, it was like, is this who this guy is now? Is he a, you know, a 700s OPS hitter and a very good defender? Or is he going to bounce back to when he was a guy who finished seventh and sixth in MVP? voting and that's kind of what we're seeing now ever since the jays ironically went on that trip to oakland at the beginning of july chapman's just gone absolutely nuclear he's gone 27 for 73 with nine home runs and his ops is up to 1.247 in that stretch and it's not just i i know it's just kind of seems like an arbitrary date point but it's it just happens to coincide with when they did go on that trip to oakland and he got that nice standing ovation from the 700 fans that were there um, it just seemed that that was like the, the switch that changed the season for him. And he just looks so much more dialed in at the plate. Yeah. We talked about guys. I mean, Guriel for that stretch there. And then he had it by no means had a bad series. I'm obviously not saying that. I think he had a hit in, uh, in every game, or at least he got on base in every single game. Um, Guriel for a stretch that was the hottest hitter in baseball. It seemed like, right. And now it feels like that's been passed on to Matt Chapman. But again, we're seeing instances where guys a little bit lower in the lineup and kind of that middle third to lower third kind of deal are starting to hit. And this team just really keeps rolling. Not that they had any sort of, you know, massive offensive explosion against the Detroit Tigers. Like they didn't score more than five runs in any of the games, but they, they did what they needed to do, needed to do to get the job done. And Chapman, obviously a big part of that with some massive home runs uh, for our third up. And we actually might have a couple bonus ups, but Jose Brios in the series finale, uh, this guy goes seven strong. I was a little bit surprised that they yanked him when they did, considering what his pitch count was at, especially when, uh, and I mean, I maybe I see both sides of it, but like a guy like Barrios, who has had a pretty up and down season, you would imagine they may have wanted, or I would have liked to see, I should say, him get an opportunity to go the distance and really have like a solid building block to continue off of for the rest of the second half of the season. They yank him after seven though, and it's still an impressive start. Yeah, I was kind of hoping they were going to let him go the entire way. I thought, you know, why not go for it? You have an off day coming up later, but it does kind of seem like, all right, this was very positive. Let's just put an end to this here and bring in the relievers. They've been pitching quite well as well. But for Brios, it was since that terrible Milwaukee start has been six starts now, 36 innings and a three ERA. And it's just night and day what he looks like compared to what he was at the beginning of the season. And now, actually, ironically, for the first time, he has an ERA under five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny to say Jose Brio strung together six good starts to bring his ERA under five, but we're at a point now where it seems like, okay, he's worked through whatever was going on. He's remembered how to be the good starting pitcher he used to be. And that's huge because that's desperately what they need down the stretch. Like, again, we talked about this with Kikuchi, but it's even more extreme with Barrios. They need him to be good. Not like with Kikuchi, it's okay. We need you to clear five innings and whatever happens, happens because you can't burn the bullpen with Barrios. It's like, all right, no, you're supposed to be one of the top end guys. You need to be putting up good starts. We need to be looking at your name on the calendar and thinking this is going to be a win because you are pitching. And that's where we're at now. Like now when I see Barrios' name coming up, I'm thinking, yeah, that's a good thing. Whereas earlier in the season, it was kind of like, yeah, 
not really sure what we're going to get, but it's there's, there's confidence there now. Yeah. This team uh, has a bunch of players hitting their stride. Like, I mean, just Chapman and Barrios, two guys we talked about early in the season, legitimate concern. And those are two guys who with the Barrios extension and the big trade had fans really excited over the winter. And at the beginning of the year, like when things weren't going well, you kind of looked at those two as like a who they could use more from them. And now they're getting that. Uh, it's interesting to look at the playoff picture in the American league and of the, I guess you could say nine teams or sorry, 10 teams that are in the race right now with three division leaders, the three wildcard teams and the four teams who are within four games of the final wildcard, only the Jays and the Chicago White Sox and the Houston Astros story. Only three of the 10 teams are above 500 in their last 10 games. It's weird how everyone is just sort of sputtering right now or seemingly everyone's sputtering in that race. And the Jays are leading the pack with an eight and two record in their last 10. They're starting to uh, create some important distance here between themselves and a team like Cleveland, who's sitting just outside of the playoff picture. Uh, our last up, though, our, our bonus up, I should say, the bullpen was solid. Jordan Romano was solid, though. Three and a third. He picks up three saves. He gets three strikeouts as well. Um, that's one area where I like, again, every closer is going to have rough moments throughout the year. But Romano's just been, in my opinion, really consistent for them this year when he's not been overworked. Yeah, that's really the key. And that's why it's so important for the Jays to go and upgrade the bullpen so we don't have to see Romano come in and pitch every single game. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have those disaster outings. But now that he's been used more sparingly, the starting pitchers are going longer. There's more options of the bullpen that can pitch key innings, it seems. Um, he's been more effective, and that's kind of the way it's going to be. But the other thing I wanted to bring up before we move on is the Derek Law contribution because it was so jarring watching the Jays in 2022 just get dummied by drew Hutchison. <laughs> it was, it was very nerve wracking that they were bringing Derek law into the game. And it was like, no, there's no way you can get shut down by these two guys back to back in the same game. So thank goodness that <laughs> Pats did come through off of Derek law. Cause that would have been terrible, terrible vibes. Yeah. He uh, only pitched the one inning, gave up a dinger, gave up four runs as well. Um, surprisingly though, none of those went down as earned runs, which I always find interesting when the numbers that high, and the earned run column is still sitting at a zero. But yes, thankfully, Derek Law did not ruin any of the vibes in that series. Uh, for our down, nothing really to get into, considering, again, they took three out of four. They took care of business. But a scary moment in the Manoa start, obviously him leaving after getting hit with that ball. It sounds like he's OK. So you kind of, you know, take a or exhale on that. But that's worrisome. Like that's, again, one of those things, especially in baseball one play can like really derail things. And when that ball hit Manoa, my first thought was like, oh, fuck, of course. Things had been going too good over the last couple of weeks for the Blue Jays. Of course, this is going to happen. Yeah, this is one that you absolutely cannot navigate. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if he's the one who gets injured, then I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, <laughs> I, I don't really see anybody stepping up and filling that role internally. You obviously can't get somebody that good externally from a different team unless i don't know like who do you who do you convince which team do you convince to trade their ace at this point or like is anybody even that good like not much you can really do so we just got to hope that this isn't a problem because oof, that's that's one you can't dance around at all yeah um but really that was the only down part of that series again jays take three or four they're feeling pretty good here as we head into the deadline um i had a chance to catch up with michael bradburn from the score we're going to get to that in a second but first Coombsy, we are, you know, a little bit over 24 hours away from the uh, MLB trade deadline. What are you expecting from the Jays here? Is it just kind of a couple of relievers? Do you think they get in on the starter market? I don't know. It's hard to say. I kind of look back to the years they've been competitive. And, you know, in 2016, it wasn't 
you know, they weren't going to go all in because of what they had inherited. Mm-hmm. It was more of an under the radar deadline, getting kind of wacky names like BJ Upton, Scott Feldman. <laughs> they got Jason really way earlier on to fix the hole there. Uh, 2020 was really interesting. They kind of, uh, it was Taiwan Walker was, they got from Seattle for Lord even knows who the prospect was like literally nothing. Uh, they made the pretty big trade with the Dodgers for stripling, but that was a guy that had multiple years of control. Then it was of course, Robbie Ray as well. So, and then last year there was the huge trade for Jose Barrios. That's the biggest one they've done. I wouldn't expect anything of that size, like a Barrios deal, but I could see something more under the radar, like another Ross stripling type thing where there's somebody with multiple years of control coming back that can kind of maybe fill the role that they think he might be leaving as a free agent this offseason. I, I think though that the priority will be relievers because those are also the cheapest to acquire. I don't think we're going to see the Jays trade their number one prospect Moreno. Yeah. Um, and that's why I just kind of don't really expect them to be involved in like these huge name trades, Soto, Otani, even if they're going to happen. I don't expect the Jays to be one of those teams this year because they've done it, you know, last year it was so much to give up. Like they, you know, had big trades in the offseason. Again, it's it's hard to see it happening again. All right, let's bring in our friend uh, Michael Bradburn, Bradburn from The Score to talk about not just what the Jays could do, but what could be going on all around baseball. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Very excited to welcome in Michael Bradburn from The Score. Uh, He is a Craig Kimbrell lover, which I've always appreciated. I love how hard you've ran with that bit and you have never let it go. It it is one of my favorite things on baseball Twitter, I must say, Michael. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's getting harder to uh, hack because now Mariano Rivera's career ERA is in fact lower than Craig Kimbrell's (laughs) career ERA because... But like by FIP, Kimbrell is still a better reliever. He's like kind of struggling by ERA yeah. uh, with the Dodgers, but but his like strikeout numbers and walk numbers are still great. There you go. All right, let's dig into uh, what's been going on around Major League Baseball in terms of the trade deadline. Uh, our first domino sort of fell the other day when the Seattle Mariners jumped the market a little bit and picked up Luis Castillo from the Reds. What did you think of the haul that the Mariners gave up to get a starting pitcher with team control? Uh, I think it's a, a good deal for both sides, honestly. <clears throat> pardon me um 
the the prospect hall was was quite nice for the Reds. Um, I have my own like personal views on particular prospects, like Noel V. Marte, who's the centerpiece going back to the Reds. He's a shortstop prospect and a top twenty prospect by MLB Pipeline. He strikes out quite a lot and doesn't provide a whole lot of power for a guy who's going to strike out that much. Um, obviously, he plays a premium position, so that's um, kind of helped a little bit because he's going to give you at least good defense at a premium position. Um, even if he's striking out a lot, you know, it's just like to use a Toronto comp, he has like less power and about the same amount of whiffs as Bo Bichette and Bo Bichette is a pretty frustrating player to watch at times. So he's kind of in that vein. Um, and for the Mariners, um, Castillo is a great little pickup because you know, this is a team trying to break a two decades long postseason drought. And it looks like they're going to be able to do it. They're clearly the second best team in their division. Um, they're angling for that wild card spot pretty hard. And with Castillo, it gives them a, a nice arm in probably like what they needed to address the most. Uh, Robbie Ray has not lived up to expectations particularly well. Marco Gonzalez has been terrible. So adding an, uh, like, a potential like game one starter for any postseason series was pretty key for the Mariners. So like this puts them from um, wildcard contender to uh, a team that might have like a relatively deep postseason run. They, they still have some question marks around the diamond, but they're, they're a good team. The interesting part with the Mariners specifically in that starting rotation is I believe if the playoffs started today, they would be coming up to Toronto for a three game series. And that would mean, Robbie Ray, unless his vaccination status has changed or something else changes in in the world and the way the two countries work, like Robbie Ray wouldn't be able to pitch in that series up in Toronto. So going out and getting Castillo for them is also a way to like guarantee you have at least one high end pitcher for a potential three game series against the Toronto Blue Jays, which does factor into things. We heard a lot of talk about vaccination status when the Yankees went out and got Andrew Benintendi. And there's talk that maybe he's changed his viewpoint on that as well. Uh, Sticking with the starting pitching market, though, there still are some intriguing options out there with Scooball out in Detroit. You got Montas and Pablo Lopez as well. If you view this Castillo deal as sort of the market being set for prospect capital and what you have to give up for a starting pitcher with team control, is it wise for the Jays to get in on the starting pitching market or should they maybe save their bullets, so to speak, to get more bullpen help, maybe a left-handed bat? Like, how would you prioritize those things, I guess? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I I think they need a depth starter. I don't think they necessarily need to go out and get Frankie Montes. Um, I think the athletics now, like you said, um, because of the Castillo deal, have their market set. Um, and they're looking for, you know, a package of prospects that includes a top 20 prospect. Unfortunately, the only top 20 prospect the Jays have right now is Gabriel Moreno and you would not include Moreno. I don't think in a deal for, for Frankie Montes, that's too high of a, of a mm-hmm. cost. In my opinion, Moreno is um, quite a bit better than Noel V. Marte in my opinion. Um, so there's that. I, I would prefer, I mean, if I were running the Jays, I would prioritize the bullpen um, probably two or three arms, hopefully back there. And then a depth starter to complement uh, Gossman and Manoa. Gossman, even though he's you know regressed a little bit, is still one of the best pitchers in baseball by FIP and WAR. So like he's been 
amazing. And the head start he had over the first two months of the season over every other starting pitcher is almost insurmountable. Um, he obviously needs to, you know, straighten out some command issues, but that's, that's a fine one too, for any, uh, postseason bound team. Um, whether they go and get, you know, someone, you know, I, I, I keep playing with the idea that they go and get Martin Perez from the Rangers. Mm. It's like a really unsexy name, but he might be a fine, you know, number four, number five for a postseason bound team also gives you the flexibility to put, you say Kikuchi potentially in the bullpen where he might be more effective. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's lots of ways the Jays can play this. Yeah. I keep kind of going back to like, I, I I'm a big believer that you kind of make your big bets in the off season over the winter. Right. And the Jays for the most part made their bet. They made their bed. You could almost say with Manoa Gossman and Barrios. Those are going to be your three main guys going into any playoff series, whether it's the wild card series, which is obviously only a best of three or any sort of best of seven you could find yourself in. You know, those are your, that's who you're going to be running with. Those are the guys who are going to need to get you your wins in those series. And the thing that's going to help you go deeper, I don't even really view a left-handed bat as, as that kind of thing. Because again, if you beat a team in a best of seven series, it's going to be, it's going to be because Vlad and Bo and Springer and Guriel and all your big guns, Chapman, Hernandez, all of them, those guys outperform the other team's top six hitters, not because you added a fringe depth piece, which I get can help. And if there's injuries and all that, but I still view bullpen, as you mentioned, you know, two or three arms. I think they should be going out and absolutely getting two or three strong arms because that's an area where right now they're clearly weaker than a lot of teams. And that's an area that can have a huge impact on a playoff series. And and I, again, I don't really understand the need. I agree with you. Like you don't need to go give up Mourinho to get, some starting pitcher with team control because you have three good arms that are under team control already. But there are a lot of people who will sit there and go, well, no, you need to be going all in every single season. And I just mm-hmm. don't think it's smart to sit here and be like, yep, yeah, because we, you know, we're in these top five of all these power rankings at the start of the year, we need to just completely blow up our prospect pool and go all in. Like I would only do that if you're getting Soto or Otani, which brings me to my next question. Uh, and it surrounds Juan Soto. Is there a team out there that you think kind of makes the most sense for the national superstar? Uh, I mean, I would love to see the Jays pay up to get oh. I, I mentioned Bichette earlier in this, you know, uh, hit with you. I, I would include Bichette in a package for Juan Soto, hands down. Um, you know, potentially move Jordan Groshans immediately up to shortstop mm. or, you know, play Espinal there for now, whichever you like. But I mean, having Juan Soto in a corner outfield spot instead of uh, Gurriel every day would be unbelievably great. Um, Otani might be a a better fit because he gives you that like, I mean, he's a great fit for literally every single team in in baseball. But um, yeah, I, I would, if, if I were the Jays and I'm, you know, looking to give up Moreno, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not that impressed with how he performed at the major league level, which very small sample size. It's a lot to ask a catcher to do to learn a whole pitching staff and deliver at the plate. Um, but if I'm, if I'm, you know, kind of out on Moreno, then I would hands down, like include him in Soto Otani. But um, other than that, I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not jumping at the chance to trade away my top prospects for this team, because I, I think the Jays are building something special. This isn't, this isn't a team where this isn't like the 2015, 2016 teams where, you know, there were a- aging veterans on the team. 
they needed to make a postseason push with that roster. Um, this is a team that, you know, all the stars are under team control for a while. Uh, they're young and hopefully they're going to be retained for a long time. So yeah, buying high on Frankie Montas makes much less sense than, you know, selling everything for a Soto or an Otani who potentially makes you a contender for, you know, for their current window of three to five years. Yeah. And and the other thing we've kind of been hearing through the rumor mill is that the Jays seem to be pretty conscious of not wanting to disrupt any sort of clubhouse chemistry, right? Like there was talk like, Hey, if you wanted to give up, a Gurriel or Hernandez that gets you some significant pitching help and potentially multiple pieces as well in terms of a starter and maybe a relief arm. But it sounds like the Jays, you know, they, they recognize the value those two guys bring in the clubhouse as sort of to use a cliche quote unquote glue guys. So I really don't think we're going to see any sort of like a massive splash. I think it'll be kind of like you said, a couple of relief arms, maybe a bench left-handed hitter that you have to just basically take on the money for or something like that. Um, I don't think we're going to have our jaws hit the floor with any sort of move that the Jays do over the next 24 to 30 hours, however long till deadline. Do you agree with that? Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's definitely true. I I think if they make a big splash, it's probably for like a David Bednar type, Mm. um, the Pirates closer, who is not fully expected to even move, even though the Pirates are bad and don't need him. Uh, it seems like they're not in a rush to trade away their relievers, which whatever pirates going to pirate, but um, yeah, like I, I tend to agree that the Jays will probably not be one of the deadline winners. If you will, um, they can still win the deadline hands mm-hmm. down, but like they're not going to be perceived as a team that went out and, you know, really put themselves in a position to win the 2020 world series to our 2022 world series um, over, you know, their opening odds, you know, when, when they were like favored in the American league to open the season. Yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. It will be, it's always very interesting to kind of use hindsight at the end of a playoff run and look back at the teams at the deadline who were the perceived winners and how, you know, a lot of the times they, they usually flame out or the big reliever, the big starter you go get has an ERA of like 5.6 down the stretch or some shit like that. Uh, but Michael really yeah. appreciate you giving me some time today and uh, enjoy deadline day. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Big shout out to Michael Bradburn for joining us today on the pod. Uh, Coombsy, let's wrap up with, well, actually I'll, I'll get your take on this. Do you think, Soto is going to be dealt by the deadline. Do you think this actually gets done? I'm honestly, I'm stunned because I really thought when all the smoke started coming, like, hey, it sounds like this is going to happen. It's a matter of when, not if the Nats part ways with Soto. I thought it would have happened like a day or two before the deadline. I didn't think teams would want to, or the Nats, I should say, would want to put themselves in a position where it's like, you know, two hours till the deadline and they're like, shit, okay, which one of these offers is the best? And they're scrambling. I thought this would get done earlier. It's clearly not, I mean, unless it drops in like the 20 minutes between us stopping this and me uploading the podcast, which would just be a damn shame. But do you think Soto actually gets moved? And is there a team that you think kind of makes the most sense for him? Yeah, that's entirely possible. I kind of just have this sneaking suspicion it's going to be the Yankees that pull the trigger on the trade. But I don't know if that actually makes that much sense because, you know, this offseason is a weird one for them because they have to decide whether they're going to pull the trigger on that huge Aaron Judge contract. And if you do acquire Soto, you have to you have to do the contract. So 
for the Yankees, I, I kind of had this weird feeling that it might be all right. We're going to acquire Soto. He's going to become the new guy. And we're going to let Aaron judge walk after this, just because of the age differences, you'd probably rather pay Juan Soto than judge who's now in his thirties. Yeah. But that's a super difficult decision to make in the midst of the season. The Yankees are having, but that being said, they are kind of going cold a bit recently. You said like a lot of teams in their last 10 games under 500 and the Yankees are one of those teams. Yeah. So you never know. But that's that's just what, what I've always thought. But that's just, you know, being an American League East brain and just assuming that's going to happen. I just kind of figure one of Otani, one of Soto is going to be or one one of the two of them is going to become a Yankee. Yeah, yeah. It feels inevitable. It, it's weird how much chatter there is around the Cardinals and talk that they're facing a lot of pressure. And I wonder if they could get involved in this Soto thing uh, with Jays, with the Jays specifically, the one team. And I, I saw some people spitballing about this on Twitter, but there were the rumors and they were legit rumors, seemingly that. You know, the Astros could be willing to part ways with the starting pitcher to get a catcher. And I kind of look at that and go, you know, if you're Toronto and you're like, okay, we believe in Gabe Moreno. Does Danny Jansen get you an arm that's of any value? Is, is that something you'd, you'd consider pulling the trigger on? Do you do something even bigger? Like, would you move, you know, what do you have to give up to get like Christian Javier or something? I just don't like making that move in the middle of the season. Like I, don't, yeah. I feel like the Jays, it's it's a good thing that they have this catching depth right now because you have the three of them. But if you go down to only having two of them, say you trade um, Danny Johnson, like you said, to yeah. Houston for a good starting pitcher, or that's part of the trade, whatever. Then it's Kirk and Moreno. Now Kirk just just last year missed like half of the season with a hip issue. What if then he gets injured and all of a sudden you're rolling with? Gabe Moreno, who's a rookie, and Zach Collins as your two pitchers going down the stretch and into the playoffs. Like, I think you just keep the embarrassment of riches you have now and then deal with it in the offseason. Yeah, I, I think that's smart play as well. Uh, we are going to do a special or we're going to mix up the way we usually do the pod instead of doing one on Wednesday to recap the two game set against the Tampa Bay Rays tomorrow after the deadline we're going to have a podcast with bk we're going to bring him on and we're going to break down whatever the jays do tomorrow so that should drop probably we're going to drop that i think while the jays are playing the rays we're going to record yeah. while the game is on because i mean we just won't even acknowledge it who cares yeah. <laughs> who cares like it's a two game against the rays that, it's at the trop it's going to be yeah. full of nonsense the jays are going to lose both games like 6 to 5 or 5 to 4 because of some bullshit so it's just not even worth really getting into um so we are going to drop a new episode of the podcast tomorrow actually so back to back days with bj and radio uh, but a two gamer in tampa will do the standard hope for a split right Coombsy? Yeah, it's going to be Gosman versus Rasmussen. The Jays always have a tough time with Rasmussen. He's quite good. And then it's Kikuchi versus TBA. But going back at their schedule, it should be Ryan Yarbrough. Yarbrough used to be really good against the Jays, but he's been pretty bad against the Jays recently. I think they yeah. probably figured it out because he tosses junk. So they should be able to hit him. I'd be happy with a split here because it's in Tampa. I'd rather just not watch it and just yeah. pretend it's not happening. So I'll probably just pay attention to Twitter and the trades and such. And just not watch the Jays play in the drop. Let's pretend it's not happening. Who cares? Preach. Uh, and then it's a series <laughs> in Minnesota after that. And then a series in Baltimore before returning home on Friday, August 12th. will be the next home date as they start a three-game weekend series against the Guardians, which I will be at, Coomsey. I will yes, be in the will. building for all three of those baseball games. And I'm very excited. Yeah? What are you most excited for? Uh, hot dogs. Beer. Um, nice. Honestly, I just love... I, I get like... You know, we got the news about the renovations and all that um, that Ooh, they're going to be doing at Rogers. That. Yeah, we I guess we, yeah, we we missed that I on totally our last pod. <laughs> um, I I saw some people being like, "Oh, it's putting lipstick on a pig!" Like, blah blah blah. The stadium's no. still junk, and I don't buy that at all. Like for me, again, I'm someone who gets to go to 
if I'm lucky, five or six Jays games a season in Toronto. I usually try to make two trips out there. Um, but I love being there just because I'm stuck so many times watching it on TV that when you finally walk into the building, it's like, oh my God, yes, it's so great in real life. But I understand it's not really a ballpark. It's a stadium. I look at these renovations they're doing and I'm going, hey, they're actually putting in the money to turn this thing from a stadium into more of a ballpark. And I like it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't I, I, I don't agree with the comment about lipsticks on a pig. Like there's no doubt that the Rogers Center is one of the ugliest stadiums in baseball, if not the ugliest one. It might be. It's probably that in the top or the two shittiest ones. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of good stuff about it. Like it's in a fantastic location. There is a really good vibe there. You know, when the roof's closed, it's kind of a unique, very hockey style atmosphere in there. And then when the roof's open, it's, you know, lakeshore pleasantness. It's, you know, nice, wet cool air it's you know it smells good which you can't necessarily say for a lot of toronto and then yeah i mean and that's the thing is you just kind of take that you take what you have and then you just jazz it up a bit and make it like just make it a little bit more pleasant that's all you can really do they're not going to tear the whole thing down and rebuild it right so just like more more bar areas to stand up like more stuff like the flight deck more areas to sit in a more comfortable chair more variety for when you're like getting drinks or stuff to eat i think they've done a pretty reasonably good job with that so yeah it might not be perfect like it'd be really cool if they could build kind of near bemo field like out in ontario place if they could build a whole new stadium there yeah that'd be sick but it's just not happening so you know it is what it is like Take what you can get. They made it slightly better. Works for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what kind of phase one ends up bringing and the way they're going to rebuild the outfield and all of that stuff. Um, again, the people bitching, they could very easily not put $300 million into it and you'd just be stuck with the same old stadium. So I really didn't understand the people who wanted to like gripe about this. Like it's going to be cool. It's whatever. It's going to make it a little bit more flashier. It's going to make it more like a ballpark in my opinion. So I'm excited to see what they end up doing. Uh, Coomzy. You enjoy this. Uh, I guess no, we're not even gonna have a two gamer. We'll talk tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> we'll chat tomorrow. We'll we'll we'll, right. we'll we'll completely forget about this race series. Ah, it's just not yeah. happening. It's the it's the second all-star break. It's trade yeah. deadline break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh all right. Shout out to our friends at Points Bet Canada as well. Uh no word yet on if the Jays are dogs or favorites for their first game against uh Tampa Bay, but we will have that up on our socials when we find out. Enjoy the series and well, no, don't enjoy the series. Enjoy the trade deadline. We'll yes. chat again tomorrow night with BK. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.